Welcome to the Malt Whiskey Trail podcast. This podcast is best enjoyed, responsibly of course, with the dram, the traditional measure of scotch. Our shows can be found at www.maltwhiskeytrail.com, where you can also plan your trip to the world's first malt whiskey trail. Now, let's get into the show. Slanche This week, we join Cameron McNeish, author, writer, broadcaster and general outdoors enthusiast as we discuss the appeal of the outdoors, his latest books and the wonders of the Speyside region. Cameron, um, how are you doing? Yes, I'm doing well, <laughs> consi- considering everything that's going on at the moment. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of becoming a, a, something I've always wanted to be on my life is a curmudgeonly recluse. And it's great, and I'm growing my beard long, and I'm wearing tatty clothes, and I throw stones at people who come too close to the house. I've always fancied being one of those people, and I'm, and I'm getting that way. I feel like, yeah, the pandemic has definitely allowed people to become hermits, and it's acceptable now. <laughs> exactly. Um, well, just tell me, start off, just tell me a little bit about yourself and what you do for the listeners. Okay, well, I, I was born and, and brought up in, in Glasgow, in an area called Govan. And other people who lived in Govan were um, Sir Alex Ferguson, the, the great successful football manager, uh, and the great Rabsi Nesbitt, of course. Um, and, and it's kind of interesting, Govan in those days, and I'm talking about you know, the early 1950s, uh, was um, not a place of urban deprivation, as many people kind of regard it, but a place of full employment. All the men, or almost all the men, worked in the shipyards, and lots of the women had jobs at the cigarette factory down the road a little bit. So it was actually quite a happy place to grow up. And, and I lived in Glasgow until um, oh, my, my early 20s. Um, and during my teenage years, I, I had two kind of obsessions. One was athletics. I, I was a long jumper and became a Scottish international long jumper. And my other obsession was... Uh, wandering up and down hills and um, I, I, I think there must have been something inside me that attracted me to mountains because my parents weren't mountaineers or, or, or you know, didn't even go to the countryside very often but I could see the outline of the Campsie Fells from my schoolroom window and I used to always just sit and look at it and wonder what was just over the horizon and when I was about 14 or 15 I went off to these hills with some friends and, uh, and, and we explored, um, and, and that was really the start of, of, of my love of mountains. Mm-hmm. And, and you said you were situated like just near Aviemore, I believe it's um, Badenoch, you're based? I'm ba- I, live, I live now in Moor in, in, in Badenoch, um, which is about 15 miles south of Aviemore. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we, we lived in Aviemore for a while, we lived in in Craig for a while. Um, at one point, I became the editor of an outdoor magazine, which I did for 20 years, and it was based in Glasgow. And I was told I should live in Glasgow while doing that. So we actually moved from Kincaid to a wee village called Fintry, in the, in just, just on the north, the north side of Glasgow. Um, but I couldn't settle after having lived in the Highlands. So we gave it 18 months, and um, I, I said to my boss, I'm, I'm, I'm moving, and I actually got a job um, locally here in a newspaper called the Strathspey and Bader of Herald. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I told my, my boss at, at, at the magazine, and he said, well, um, you know, why, why, why do you want to move? And I said, because I miss the Highlands. And he says, well, look, just, just live there. 
and um, come down to the office maybe a couple of times a week and we'll give you a fax machine. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I got this enormous fax machine that filled up the whole boot of the car. And um, so for, for, for 20 odd years, 25 years, I was a one-man contribution to global warming, driving up <laughs> down to Glasgow twice a week, uh, sometimes more than that, to do this job. Uh, and I left that in, 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 in 2010. Um, and I've kind of been freelancing since, doing, uh, you know, writing articles uh, and, and doing quite a lot of television work. So it's, it's, been, it's, been a, it's been a fantastic life. It's been a great working life, writing about something that I love very much, making television programs about it, sharing it with lots of other people. And it's, um, it's, 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 been, it's just been terrific. Well, you talk, you talk about kind of the love of outdoors and being, what, what was the need to write? You know, did you have this, you needed to get it into a book or you needed to share it with other people? Why, why did you turn to writing? I think there are two kinds of people in this world. There is a kind of person who can go out and have an experience and enjoy that for the simple experience it is. There's others like me who have to, who go out there and have a great experience and have to tell everybody else about it. <laughs> it's a strange thing. And writing about it is probably the easiest way and you get the biggest audience. Um, I, I suppose there's a certain amount of narcissism in that. Um, and, and I think most writers kind of suffer from that a little bit. Um, but yeah, that, 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 that's fundamentally it. It's, it's, it's having these great experiences and not wanting to keep it to yourself, but wanting to share this with the world. It's so fascinating to hear you like talk about how much, how much you enjoy, like enjoy what you do. Um, but you talked about the Highlands and I suppose people, people listening will go, um, well, actually in my head, I associate it with Sky and other places. What, what do you think, you know, the Speyside region and, and perhaps the sort of lesser known bits of the Highlands can bring to, to walkers and people who, are, who want to go outdoors? Well, I think first of all, we have to realise that Scotland is a land of enormous diversity. If you compare the cooling of sky, for example, with the rolling hills, the rolling Arctic hills of the Cairngorms, they're so different. Or if you compare the great Torridonian giant mountains with the rolling hills of the borders, you get that difference again. Or, or even the kind of rocky bluffs uh, and nooks and crannies of the Trossachs, and compare that with, say, the Angus Glens. And the remarkable thing is all these areas are within a day's driving of each other. So we get this fantastic variety of, of, of walking landscapes. And in addition to that, you, if, if you look at the people and the cultures of these areas, um, there's again a fantastic diversity in culture from the Gaelic-speaking folk of the, the, the Western Highlands to the, the, the Scots-speaking speaking people of Aberdeenshire and the Doric or, or the Lallans and in, in Ayrshire. So we have all this diversity of language, diversity, um, and diversity of language and culture, of course, leads to a diversity in folklore and, and tradition. And when you wrap all these things up together, you know, you realise that Scotland is a, is a very, very special place. And I think hill walkers kind of realise that because so many of the hills are tied up in the legends and the stories of old. And, and indeed the Gaelic uh, place names, not only the Gaelic place names, the Viking, the Norse place names or, or, the, or, or the Doric place names in, in the East are so tied up in legends and folklore. Um, it becomes a great um, cornucopia. Of, 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 of thrilling excitement stories and experiences. That's, I think that's really prevalent in your 
latest book or your well actually your autobiography that was published in 2018 there's always the hills yeah and of course you had um a second one came out come by the hills which wasn't i always thought it was autobiographical but it's more kind of focuses on your conversations with other people and sort of how they inspire can you tell me a bit more about those um and also any upcoming projects you might have sure well there's always the hills I come by the hills are two parts of a trilogy I'm now working on the third part. When I did my first autobiography, my publisher said, um, have, you, have you any ideas for any for follow-up books? And, and, I, and I told him, and he said, well, let's make it a trilogy, a trilogy of memoirs. So the, the first one, There's Always the Hills, was very much about my story and, and, and um, you know, going from a wee boy in Govan um, who, you know, had never seen a mountain to earning a living from climbing mountains throughout the world and, 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 and making television programs about it and all the rest of it. And meeting some fascinating people along the way. And that kind of led to the, the second book. It was the things that inspired me about going to the mountains, the people that inspired me. Um, and, and people living and dead, people from the past, people like Duncan Ban McIntyre, uh, a Gaelic poet who lived um, below a mountain called Bendoran uh, near Bridge of Orche. And, and his kind of influence, um, and, and, and the whole, the legends, you know, the folk legends are very important to me, but we don't actually sit around a, a fire at night and our parents hand down these stories to us. That doesn't happen anymore. So we've got to write about them. So that's why I'm quite keen on keeping these uh, legends going. And a lot of these legends are very much associated with features and the mountains. Stories like that I, I find absolutely appealing. <laughs> and, and, and that this book, Come by the Hills, is kind of full of stories like that. Um, the third part of the trilogy is I'm working on now really will look at lots and lots of, of the hills in, in, in greater detail. Um, the hills that I've climbed. Uh, and I hope to get about um, or several hundred kind of route, not not left by, you know, turn left and follow the thing and, you know, then turn right, not that sort of route description, but um, the routes that I've climbed from old diaries uh, and, and um, some of the articles I've written in the past. So um, that'll be quite different as well. And I hope, and this is going to be called an I, uh, sorry, I to the hills, A-Y-E, I to the hills. So it can be either, a, you know, an I to the hills or Aye, to the hills, like a toast, like a whiskey toast. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And well, just going back to the idea of diversity, obviously travel is such a big part of Scotland and getting to these places, as you said, you know, in the Highlands, you can just travel everywhere. But of course, in the past year, we haven't been able to travel and get, you know, some sometimes outdoors for people is getting into your car and going there. How's lockdown been for you? And, and have you seen have you seen kind of people turn to the landscape and turn, you talk about space a lot in your um, books, you know, has there been a, a return to the landscape in a sense? I think there has. Um, I think the sheer numbers um, would suggest that. I was speaking some, to somebody yesterday who's involved in the outdoor equipment industry and he said it's a real boom time. So many people are coming and buying anoraks and kaggles and, and walking boots um, because I think people are realising that here in Scotland, we have something very, very special. If you take a city like Glasgow or a city like Edinburgh, uh, and then during times these, these times of lockdown, people are appreciating that you can get out of Glasgow or out of Edinburgh very, very quickly. 
You can go from Glasgow into the Campsie Fells. You can go from Edinburgh to the Pentlands. You can go from Aberdeen, another big city, to the likes of Benahee and all, all the, the hills and open spaces on these side. So I think people are realising that even in our cities, we can actually get into really nice countryside very, very quickly. If there is a silver lining to this terrible pandemic, it's maybe that the people are realising that we are, um, we are rooted in the likes of the Scottish landscape. We are rooted in nature. We're rooted in the natural world. All our listeners, of course, will be whiskey lovers and um, will, will come eventually when, when they're able to come to the Speyside region to do distillery tours. But I'm sure they'll be looking for recommendations for things to do. Do you have like a top, a top couple of things to do in the Speyside region for people looking to embrace the outdoors? I think so, yeah. I mean, I've always felt that Whiskey is the kind of natural drink of the outdoors lover. Um, whiskey was born in the, you know, the, the, the peatlands and the clear waters of our rivers, the, the barley in our fields. It's, it's, um, yeah, I've seen some whiskies sold as organic whiskies, and I can't get my head around that because to me, all whiskey is organic. Um, and, and it just brings to mind, so I would say to people, um, there's a fantastic hill and it's not a difficult hill to climb and it's kind of in the heart of whiskey country. It's called Ben Runis uh, and it's fantastic and it's been said um, that, that Rome was built on seven hills and if you look from Ben Runis you can see Dufton and it says that Dufton was built on seven stills. And you can almost see those seven stills around. I mean, you look down and you can see um, you can see quite a number of distilleries from the slopes of um, of, of Ben Runnis. But if you consider that around you, around this little hill, around you are, are things like you know, the, 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 the names that kind of um, names are just all about whiskey and they bring whiskey to mind, like Balvenie, Glenfarclas, Glenlivet, the Mortlach, Moore. Tam do Glenrothes, Glenfiddich, Cairndale, Tam de Rulin, and it, it kind of goes on, and they're all there. They're all there just below you. Um, just, I've just one final question for you, and I ask this to everyone, um, but what's your, and I, I suspect it might contain a bike ride, but what's your perfect day in Speyside if you're in the region and you just wanted to enjoy yourself? Um, and I think a dram needs to be included. <laughs> a dram needs to be included, my goodness. Well, do you know this? It, it might well be, not that long ago, my wife and I explored the upper reaches of Glenlivet. Glenlivet is a beautiful glen. Um, and at one time, 200 years ago, there was something like 40 or 50 illicit stools in Glenlivet. And then when the, the Glenlivet distillery was opened, became the first legal distillery, um, all these people kind of lost their, 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 lost their business. Um, but you can still wander about this beautiful glen and, and, and kind of almost hear the resonances of the, 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 the illicit um, whiskey distilling industry as it was then. Uh, and it was fantastic because word would go round if a gauge was approaching and they would close down the illicit stills. And, and, and we spent some time away at the head of Glenlivet. There's a, uh, an old Roman Catholic seminary 
uh, and it's a fantastic starting point for some lovely walks into the hills around. <coughs> so we wander around there and, and, and I made a television program a number of years ago where we had a bit of a walk in Glenlivet and we finished off at the Glenlivet Distillery uh, and my friend Alan Winchester actually set up um, an illicit still for us in the grounds. Uh, and made some illicit whiskey. Well, it wasn't illicit, it was quite legal. Uh, I think they've got permission to do that. But we filmed all of this. And um, it was just kind of stunning to think that people 200 years ago had all these illicit stills all around. So I think a walk in, in Glenlivet, uh, Glen, in, in uh, and I should say, there are some walks being set up by the Glenlivet Whiskey Company in association with the Crown Estates. Um, and they've, they've made some smugglers' trails in the Glen and a fantastic walk. So a wee wander around there in, in, in Glenlivet, maybe in winter when it's really atmospheric, uh, and, and then wander into the distillery there and have a, a, a nice glass of, of gold in Glenlivet. Come back often. You can listen to our podcast on Spotify, follow us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook for the latest news offers and exciting promotions. Cheerio, Dasta!